Well, Christmas is uh, my favorite season. I'll tell you guys, it's a season truly of uh, hope, but also of giving. And Christmas, remember that Christ came to this earth. God gave us everything we need, need and uh, really, I have all things now because of Christ. And, and so I know what you're sitting there thinking right now. You're thinking, well, self, uh, during this season of hope and giving, uh, what can I possibly give my pastor who apparently has all things? Yeah, well, this is exactly what I would love, I'm hoping that you will give me, is a completed connection card. And where you'll find that is inside of your bulletin. And I hope that each one of you has one. And so if you would take it out for me, what a wonderful gift this would be for me. It helps me pray for you every single week. Uh, but you could be filling it out, today's message or whatever, and uh, just uh, if there's anything that's changed, of course you want to let me know so we can keep our records updated. And you want to hold on to that because at the end of the message, I'm going to ask you to drop this in the offering baskets with your tithes and your gifts. And, uh, but one of the reasons I ask you to fill that every week is because I know God has a reason for you being here. And uh, by filling this out, you're letting God know you're ready to take some next steps that he has for you today. Of course, on, uh, if you want to hold on to that, wanna hold, and we'll uh, come back to the end of the message. Also, there's a prayer request place on there because I do love to pray for you, and I'm hoping that you'll let me know how to do that. Um, as you were filling that out, just a couple of things as we begin this. You know, today was a kind of a very special day. This is the first time in our church history that we have, uh, our church has been able to have three pastors who are able to serve you full-time here in the church. And so we want to welcome Colin and Rachel, and it's wonderful having Colin here and leading us in worship. And uh, it's just, just an amazing thing. And uh, also uh, today, uh, as we celebrate Advent and uh, this, the birth of Christ, it's a time we remember the, the value of, of life, that God came to, to give us eternal life, and he, uh, he cares very much for each child. And, and we have today an organization, a Galing Bev is part of a, um, an organization that's putting together an initiative for a ballot. They'd like to get on the ballot to be able to bring compassionate but also I think reasonable and good limits for our extreme ab um, abortion laws that we have in our country right now and, and in the United and our Colorado to be able to, to put some good, reasonable, compassionate limits on that. And so she's getting gathering signatures for petition to be able to put that up. So she'll be in the back after the message and I hope that you go and talk with her and, and uh, see if that's something that you also can support and that will be good. And also, lastly, I love pie. And I hope you do too, because after our service, way of welcoming Cullen and also celebrating our, uh, uh, just our time of year that we have, our, our second annual pie contest, and so we'll be having that after the message. So stick around for that, and it'll be a lot of fun uh, for that. But as you uh, are uh, preparing for pie, I've got something better for you, and that's the Word of God. And we're going to be talking today, as we start ourselves on this series of Advent, uh, this the week of hope. And the world can be a dark place. I think you all would maybe agree with that. Um, in fact, I even stopped listening to the, the news after a while. It just seemed like one I didn't trust them, but also just broken, right? Just This world is just so broken, and it just makes me depressed sometimes. You look at all of the wickedness that's out there, and, and, and when so we talk about darkness, I don't mean like it's winter time and there's not as much sun, right? I'm talking about like there's a deep darkness of, of the culture of the soul. Right? The world just seems dangerous, and I think it seems that way because it is. There is a lot more crime, and, it and, and it's growing, right? There are wars, hatred. We think uh, even this upcoming year, this election year, you want to see how much we can hate one another? Yeah, have an election year. That's a great despair. We live in a culture filled with anxiety and, and all kinds of, of darkness. All of these things, this darkness, this is not how we were meant to live. 
And we feel it in profound ways. And you know, the further as a people we move from God, the darker our world becomes. Have you noticed that? And there's a reason for that. Uh, because uh, God is the light of the world. The more further we move from him, the darker our world becomes, the darker our lives become. And that's why Advent is so important for us to come back to every year and remind ourselves, especially at this, is that all is not lost. That because Christ has come, we know he is coming again. Because he has come, there are some amazing things that happen in our life. Because of Christ, we have hope. What a wonderful thing. In fact, our anchor verse for our series, we talk about hope, is John. Is, uh, the whole series would be in the Gospel of John. There are three different narratives of Jesus' birth. We have Luke, we have Matthew, and we have John. We're we'll talking about John this series. Uh, but in John 8, 12, later in Jesus' ministry, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So every day, as a world, as a culture, we drift further and further from God. No wonder the world is getting darker and darker. And in spite of all of that, as we were drifting from God, Advent reminds us that God then came to us. He brought his light to us. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn them with me to John chapter 1. That's where we're going to be in the series. Um, and uh, he has an interesting, the, the Apostle John has an interesting take on the, the birth narrative of Jesus. Now, there are the four different Gospels, and John was probably got to write his latest, so his is very, very different than the others. Why? Because the you know, Holy Spirit inspired those other ones already written. But he instead gives us a different kind of take. Now, John was an apostle of Jesus, was one of the youngest apostles, uh, very, very close with the Lord. Um, and later on in his life and his ministry, he's able to write, especially the narrative of Jesus' birth, not from the earthly perspective, like Luke and Matthew write, but from a heavenly perspective, right? From the theological perspective, what was the significance of Jesus? And this is how he begins his gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's as far as we're going to go today in our text. We'll, throughout the rest of the series, we'll keep on developing in there, but we have hope in those passages. It's like where John Sparks here, he really gives us the reason as to why this is a season of great hope. And it goes into, John is very poetic. Isn't that a beautiful introduction? Uh, it's just inspired poetry, but also truth. And he uses these phrases like the word, and uh, he talks about light, and he has these bigger concepts. And to really appreciate the depth of what he's saying, it helps us to, to lean into those just a little bit. Now, he says in the beginning was the word. He's not just saying that it was a word that was out there. And he's talking about this concept, uh, the logos, which was the Greek, which was, was written in. And at the time, this logos was this idea of, of truth, uh, reason. It's the ultimate, the, the purest form of truth and of reason. It was the, the greatest. He says, in the beginning, there was truth and reason, which is amazing because we also find in the beginning was also chaos, which is the opposite of truth and reason. 
And so nature by itself, everything was devoid of it, and yet truth and reason preexisted. It was there. And he gives attributes to this truth and reason. It's not just a philosophical concept. Not, not just a theological kind of thing that we could say, well, there's, God had this idea of truth and reason. No, he, he personifies it in the most literal, most beautiful way. He says this truth and reason, this, this logos was with God, right? Had this, this closeness to God, that God surrounds himself and is closely attached to truth and reason, that our God is a reasonable God, is a God that is based upon truth, that it's fundamentally who he is, and therefore truth and reason are never far from him. And isn't that wonderful? Because our worlds can seem very chaotic, can't they? And in the midst of the chaos, where are we going to find order? Where are we going to find truth? Where is our world going to make sense? Wherever God is, truth and reason are right there with him. And that gives me hope, because God's bigger than this world. But it's not just that this truth and reason were with God. Mind-blowingly, he also says, is God. That, that this truth and reason, this logos, had this, this relationship with God, so much so that actually, intrinsically, was also the very part of who God is. That our God isn't just surround himself with truth and reason. It's, it, he is the source from which all truth and reason emanate. It's who he is. And so we have from the very beginning this pre-existent logos. With God, somehow separate and also somehow the same. Now, this is where we begin uh, this whole amazing doctrine, this idea, this theology that could not have been created by humankind because it doesn't fit in a human brain. That God is somehow one and also simultaneously three. Now, it's not a contradiction. A contradiction would be that he is one and not one. Right? That's not what God is. God is one, and he's always one, and at the same time, he is also three. Can you understand that? No. Get ready to have your minds blown, because God's not going to fit in tiny, tiny little pinhead heads. Like, well, he's not going to. You can't fit the ocean in a teacup. And one of the evidences that we didn't invent Jesus as Messiah is that we would never have invented something greater than our capacity to comprehend. That we have this God who is three and one at the same time. He's with himself and he is himself and somehow he's always been there, preexistent before the beginning of time, before chaos even happened, there was truth and reason and there he was. And he will always be, that's the nature of God. But he also has these attributes not only does he have this relationship of being with God and also as God, but also his creator. He's a source of life and also the sort of source of light itself. And that light that is talked about in this first portion has a wonderful attribute as well, and it's invincible. It goes into the darkness, but the darkness can never extinguish it. That's wonderful, because in this world, there's a lot of darkness, and it seems very powerful. And yet, I'm grateful to know that no matter how dark this world becomes, it can never defeat the light of God. So, in this passage, we have really 
three wonderful reasons to have hope, especially now as we come back and prepare ourselves this year to celebrate what Christmas is about, what this whole season is about, why we begin with hope. That's what the gospel begins with. And those three things begin with is that Jesus is the light of the world. This is why we have hope. Wouldn't it be lousy if Jesus was just another guy? Filled with some light and truth, but also filled with sin and darkness in and of himself? How would we trust it? He would be a mix. Right? Every prophet that has ever come, as the words say, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every prophet, every apostle, every leader of every foreign religion that's out there were all people. And here's the thing, is they were 100% people. And they were corrupt. And every person has the spark of light in them. I mean, you can even talk to like uh, somebody, maybe just a, uh, a God-hater, but they still might do nice things, right? Probably look both ways before they cross the street. Some of them pay taxes, right? Some of them are probably even friendly. Everybody has got some light in them. Why? Because we're made in the image of God. But every person has got a dark side, don't we? And wouldn't it be horrible if the hope of the world was a gray man? The hope of the world was somebody who came into this world who had some little bits of light, but also it was intermingled with some darkness and we would have to try to figure out what we're going to trust and what we're not and, and how we're going to find him. But we find from this gospel, we see in the life of Christ this amazing thing that just as God is three in one, there's another enigma that is beautiful and profound, that Jesus is the light of the world because he is, though fully human, he is also fully God. Now again, not a contradiction. Contradiction would be Jesus is human and not human. That was one of the first heresies of the church. And we don't want to start burning people at the stake anymore, so we don't believe that. A, a contradiction would be he is God and he is not God. No, that's not what Jesus is. He is fully human and fully God at the same time. And being fully God, he's absolutely perfect, without flaw. Not just at all that his teachings were right and good, but at his very core in his nature, uncorrupted by sin itself. He couldn't be untethered from God's ethic or morality because he is God. His very nature, impossible for him to lie. Impossible for him to do anything that is itself not loving. Impossible for him to do anything that is in contradiction to the very nature of God, which is himself. Because if he did it, it'd be his nature. That Jesus is the light of the world. That if the world gets darker and darker, the further we move from God, Jesus could never become dark. That's why the scripture says that, that in him is no, is no darkness whatsoever. That he is absolute purity and truth. And he can be trusted. Uh, I think this is one of the greatest gifts that we have, that, that God didn't just send us another prophet, but he sent us himself so that we would have pure, absolute goodness amongst us so we would know what it was. And we beheld him. Humanity had the light of the world with us physically for three decades. And the light shined in the darkness. What a beautiful truth that is, that God didn't abandon us, that even though we had taken this world, he, which he brought out of chaos and corruption, 
He brought truth and order and all the good things, and he created paradise, and then we hijacked it from him. And then we've blamed him ever since while his hijacked creation isn't being run right. And we have continued to make things worse and worse and worse, and the world gets darker and darker and darker, and the more we remove God from our life and our cultures and our world, the more crime and hatred and brokenness and anxiety and despair we find ourselves into. And while we were actively, actively abandoning God, and I would say as a culture, I would say that probably defines us fairly well, God actively came for us. He entered into this world and the light came to us. An amazing thing about light is it overcomes the darkness. In fact, that still happens. And if you want to be scientific about it, go home after this message, go close the door in your bathroom, right? And it's going to be dark, unless you have a window in. And you're like, I can't see anything. How horribly dark this is. And then do something, turn on a light. Now, when you go into a bathroom, you don't turn on a dark right? You, you, you want to take a nap in the middle of the day? You don't go to your bedroom and just turn on a dark and then it just overcomes the light and just makes your whole room dark. That's not how it works. You have to sh- shut out the light. It's the only way to make it dark. But if there is a source of light, it will always be light. And Christ is amongst us because he said he didn't just come into the world for three decades. He says, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That Christ is amongst us and now in us. And wherever we are is the light of the world because God shines through us. What an amazing thing that God didn't abandon this world to the brokenness and the darkness and the despair, but he came to us and dwelt with us. I have hope today because God is here. I see the brokenness of this world and the hopelessness of this world. I see the despair of this world and the brokenness of every human heart, even my own. But I do not despair because my God is light and he is overcoming darkness. That is what he does. And wherever God is, there is light. That gives me hope. If God has hope for us, if he hasn't abandoned us, then I will not lose hope for us. And I will not lose hope for my life because God is with me as well. Now, as we have this amazing hope in Christ as the light, we have more reason for hope. Isn't that great? It also says that Jesus is the creator of the world. I like this too. Because as creator, he's got certain attributes with him. He's God. And I always thought in my mind when I was growing up, you know, I'd listen to the creation story, and I thought of God the Father just sitting there and kind of crafting everything. But John fills us in. He pulls the curtain back a little bit, and he says, somehow in this triune God, God the Father definitely had work in there, but the Son is the one who put it into practice. He's the creator. He is the one who made all things. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. That is amazing. And guess what? I am something that has been made, and so are you. You are truly something. And that means God made you. Christ made you. He is your designer. He crafted you with love and with purpose. When we read in scripture that that God has a purpose for your life, that you are his handiwork, he is talking about Jesus blew my mind. The one who came to this world is the very creator who crafted us at the beginning. And one nice thing about designers is they kind of know how things are supposed to work. And we kind of made a mess of things, haven't we? Who better to help us to know how to get our lives back on track than the one who made us to begin with? You know, in, in Eden, 
there was that horrible fruit. Apparently it tasted pretty good. But it wasn't so much that it was this fruit that was there. The poison of it was the choice. It was a choice to not worship God and to center our lives on him, not to be loyal to God, but instead to be loyal to ourselves, to be prideful, to say we want to be gods ourselves. And when we ate from that fruit as a, as a people, our consciences were severed from God's. Our, our standard of ethics was divorced from his. We came from our place where we could make up our own decision what is right and wrong. From that moment on, humanity lost its ability to trust itself to navigate this world properly, to be able to use it and to live in this world the way it was designed. That's what happened. That's why in Scripture, ever since then, people came up with great ideas of how they thought the world ought to operate and what happened. It says that they became, as people did what was right in their own eyes, the world became filled with wickedness and violence. If you go over to, I mean, right now, there are so many wars happening, it's just insane. But let's just say we go over to the Middle East, to Israel. Palestinians will think they are in the moral right. Right? You have the, the Israelites like in the moral right. Everybody who fights always thinks they're in the moral right, and we do horrible, horrible, horrible things to each other in the name of thinking that we're right. When, when terrorists came and, and attacked us as a nation, they were saying, praise God. That, that we understand that as humans, our hearts have been poisoned. We are, we are defective. We are broken fundamentally. And we do things in the name of what we think is righteous and good, and we end up destroying ourselves all of the time. How many families have been ripped apart by right fighting? It just happens all the time. One of the things that's so great is that the designer came back to us and said, you don't, don't live your life according to what you want to do. So I talked about last week and as far as meditation, the last thing you want to do is empty yourself so you listen to you because you make bad choices. But God makes great choices. That's why we want to meditate on his word. And we follow after Jesus. Isn't it wonderful that the gospel isn't Jesus says, hey, I've come to this world so I will follow after you. But instead he says, no, I have come so that you can follow me. He leads us into a better life that is itself unbroken. A life of purity, a life of joy, a life of goodness, a life that we were designed for. And so the creator has come. The creator came back into this world not to just create out of chaos, but he came to recreate our lives out of the chaos in which we had made it. In the darkness of this world and the chaos and the brokenness, the creator has come and he built, he did it once, now he has come to recreate. What a gift, what a hope. And that's one of the reasons I also have hope. It's not just that the light has come into this world, because that can be kind of scary. You notice that most crimes happen at night? And there's a reason for that, because we can't see so well. And I think there's a shame that comes with crime. We want to do things in secret. We don't want to see it. The last thing you want to do if you're a criminal is turn on all the lights. So when the light of the world came in here, one of the things we would think of was, that's great, the light of the world has come, but now it's going to expose our brokenness and our weakness and our crimes. Maybe that's not so good. But the fact that he is creator is that he didn't come to condemn us, but to save us. That's good news. To find out what's broken so he can fix us from the inside out. 
That's a new life in Christ, and it gives me hope for humanity because I look at our culture, and I'll tell you this, there is no politician, there is no law that is out there, there is no government that is out there that is going to somehow fix the human condition. You can't do it. There's not an economy out there. There's not enough money out there. There are not enough counselors out there, not even enough pastors that are out there that can fix the human soul. All of us together can get in one room with one sinner, and all we would do is make it worse. But God has come, and he remakes us from the inside out. And Jesus is a solution to the darkness in us and around us. The darkness that comes through us, he begins taking that apart, and he makes us into a new person. It's the first thing he does. He installs with us a, a spirit that is unbroken, that is uncorrupted, and he begins to rewrite his law on our very heart as we live this new life in him. And as we do that, he gives us the authority and the joy of welcoming others into this great kingdom of his so that God can do the very same thing in them as he's done in us. And guess what? As God remakes people, society is remade. Culture is remade. We are not forced to continue to drift into darkness. We have hope. The light of the world has come. Well, how did this happen? How did God, who is perfect, God who is incorrupted, God who is wonderful and brilliant, God the creator, how did he become a human being created by a woman's body? How did fully God also become fully human? Well, Mary asked that very same question when he said, the Messiah has come. She's like, I don't get it. How's this going to happen? For starters, I'm a virgin, but there's also so many other questions I'm sure she had. And the angel answered her, and he said this, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called, get this, the Son of God. Yeah, fully human, born as a person, fully man but also fully God in this amazing amalgam. This, this difference is why Jesus is holy, unlike anything else. He's not just a prophet. He's not just another teacher. He's not just another great self-help guy. He is God the creator come amongst us to recreate us, and it's amazing. And you know what? This amazing miracle that I can't wrap my mind around was something that Scripture actually, uh, God had prepared us for, even 700 years before Jesus was born, to the, to the uh, uh, prophet Isaiah, God gave this prophecy that God would someday become human. And we read about Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, the, this is Isaiah talking to King Hezekiah. He says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That's an oddly specific passage. And Emmanuel means God is with us or God with us. So a virgin's going to give birth to a boy that is also God. Wow. Now, Context, there are two fulfillments of this, and they're beautiful. The first one was the immediate one. King Hezekiah was living in the nation of Israel at the time, and there was these uh, Judah, and there was these uh, Assyrians, big baddies, came down, destroyed all their cities, surrounded uh, Jerusalem, was going to kill them all. And they pretty much thought all of the Israelites were going to die. This was going to be it. And they had a nice walled city, but it wasn't looking good for them, and they are going to starve them out, and it was going to be bad. Hezekiah, he's there and he's crying out to God and the, the king of the Assyrians comes up and says, hey, we've killed all these other gods. We've got them in our, our uh, back home and our museums. We're going to do that same thing to your God. You're weak. And Hezekiah takes this threat letter and he brings it to God and he says, are you going to let him talk to you about this? And God says to, to 
to Isaiah. He says, go back, talk to the king. and says, this is what the guy, God says. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to make sure that my name is, is, is honored amongst this world. I'm going to deliver you. And the militarily, there was no hope for them. And so then he says to Hezekiah, God wants you to know, have absolute confidence that this is what he's going to do. So ask him for a sign, anything you want. Now, you know, I don't know, I think I would have like asked for like a never-ending supply of bubble gum or, I don't know, something. But he's like, he's tried to be all righteous, like sometimes we do. When God offers you something, you're like, no, 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 I'm good, I don't need anything. So God said to, to, to uh, Isaiah, he said, all right, you're not going to pick a sign, God's going to give you a sign. This is going to be your miraculous sign that, I, that I'm the one that's behind this. That a virgin is going to conceive, bear a son, and you're going to call him God with us. Well, the first thing happened within nine months, a gal who was a virgin would have time to get married and have a kid. And by the time she had time to get married and have a kid, the Assyrians were going to be gone and Israel was going to still be there. Jerusalem would be fine. And then they would look at that child and they'd say, man, God is with us. That happened. What an amazing truth. And it was a straight up miracle how it happened. You should go and read about it. It's pretty cool. But it was the foretaste of the very little fulfillment which God was setting up in Christ. Because who in their mind could have possibly fathomed that God himself actually would have a virgin conceive and give birth to a son who would also be fully God? And it happened. God does far more than we could ever think, far more than we could ever understand. And the same God who delivered and set the, 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 the people of Israel and, and delivered them from the certain doom and certain death has delivered us from an even greater threat and certain doom and certain death. And it happened because God is with us in the flesh. You ever wondered if God exists? Now you know. He came and walked amongst us. It's not some theory or, or idea. God actually took place in time and history, put on flesh, and lived amongst us. Now the third threes we have hope in this is that this Jesus is the savior of the world. He came to save, not to destroy. When God came amongst us, right? You think about when you're a kid, you're stealing cookies from the cookie jar, whatever that you would do as a kid. I don't know what you stole, but you stole something. I'm sure of it, <laughs> right? You were being naughty, right? And all of a sudden the lights turn on, got your hand in the cookie jar. Oh man, now my parents who love me are here, but it's not going to be pretty. Bad things might happen. That Jesus didn't come into this world, the light of the world, just to expose our wickedness in order to just give us discipline, but also to save us. See, he's the light, so he always does what's right and good, but he also is our creator. He can remake us, and that was the reason he came. Not to bring judgment, but to bring salvation. That was the purpose of Christ coming the first. Now, next time he gets to bring judgment, so let's, let's take advantage of the hope we have. But now, he came so that we could be saved. In fact, Jesus even talks about that famous passage later on in the Gospel of John. Jesus talking to a, a man who is questioning this, a man named Nicodemus. And Jesus explains the Gospel to him, I think, pretty well. I mean, he is Jesus, and it's his Gospel, so there you go. And he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is why Jesus came into the world, because God loves us. He didn't want us to die in ignorance and in darkness. He came to save us from those things. In fact, the very next passage he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is what makes Jesus, though he is God, though he is light and perfect perfection, so it makes him someone that we can approach with joy. This is why we have hope, is that he is also our savior. He came to save us from our brokenness as creator. He came to save us from the darkness of this world as the light. 
but also he came to save us from death because remember that he's not just he's not just this creator he's not just the light but in him is the light of life he came to be able to restore what was broken within us to restore that relationship that we would have with god that we would live not just eternal lives but abundant lives and full lives that we wouldn't have to live in fear and brokenness and ignorance and darkness any longer, that we could live lives of great hope and great peace and great joy and great love. This is Christ amongst us, and that is why we have hope. But as talked about before, it's not just what he has done, because you know what? Jesus, who was there at the beginning of the world as creator, he's also going to be there at the end because he's God. And when Jesus comes again, the ultimate final recreation, all of the brokenness, all of the darkness, every of that is eradicated. And that's why we look so intently with such great joy for his return, isn't it? So as we celebrate Christmas, it's the reminder that we await the greater Christmas to come. The Christ amongst us coming as great king. What joy is there in that? So he's coming back. So three reasons that we have, God gives us reasons for hope, right? And the first one, Jesus is the light of the world. Does your world seem dark? Are you right now facing things that maybe cause anxiety? Struggling with maybe sin on the inside or you're just struggling with the sin of others? Maybe it's looking at culture and it's the crimes. Maybe it's the wars that are out there that just really affect you. Or maybe it's just something personal inside and there is just darkness and you feel it. Here's the solution. Don't move away from God. Move towards him. He's come to this world to be with you. He will bring hope and peace and joy and love and light into your life. So there is hope. Not only is the light of the world, but he is the creator of the world. Are you recognizing that there is something just amiss, maybe in your character, your spirit, your culture, your world? You don't have the solution, but God does, and he has come, and the creator is here. And so, follow him. Start living your life according to his design. Start bringing his way, his kingdom come, his will be done, right here on earth as it is in heaven, and begin to experience the recreation of Christ in you. It's going to be an amazing thing, and that's how he remakes the world. Third thing, recognize Jesus is the Savior of the world. You tired of trying to do it all on your own? And it's not just saving our soul. Do you know that Jesus saves me from all kinds of things? Right? There are so many ways in our life that even says the littlest things that we can bring to God in prayer and he cares about them. Now, sometimes he's like, you know, you're asking for dumb stuff. So no. But there are all kinds of times that we pray. There's never a time that I'm hopeless. You know, when Mavis was missing, I couldn't hardly sleep. And I stayed up most of those nights as, and I would just pray that God would bring her safe return. Isn't it amazing I have a God that I can do that? Who doesn't just save the soul but saves us in our lives, that we have someone greater than ourselves who loves us, who is present, who is powerful, who can actually do something. And in this church, we celebrate so many answered prayers. So we have joy to the world because our Savior is here amongst us and he saves us eternally and every single day. What great hope we have in Christ. So how do you apply that? On your connection cards, which I know you're all going to give me one today because that's what I want. <laughs> First one, why don't you memorize John 8, 12? You know what we've done for you? On, on that connection card, you might notice it's got a floppy little end, and that's because on the end there is that connection, that's that passage. And I want you to be able to, to, be able to think about this. Memorize a fun little game on the back to help you memorize it, right? I want you to be able to get God's word into your life so that these truths become part of you. Maybe the next thing you want to do is to read Matthew chapter 1 through 2. Why? It's another narrative of how Jesus came to this world through the eyes of Matthew, who was 
uh, he was a tax collector, so he's really good with details. Because if you know those tax collectors, kind of like details. So, so you want to see some of the details about what it was like when Jesus came. That's a great uh, thing to read and to see how a miracle was actually became part of human history. Something else you might want to do today is to give God your anxieties. You know that we don't. You can be anxious for things, right? God's not going to hate you for that. But you don't have to be. It's like if I gave you a cup of water and I said, this is a cup of water I give to you. You don't have to be thirsty. Now, you can be. You can be thirsty all you want. You can choose not to drink the water or you can drink it. And God has come to us and we all have troubles and anxieties. Maybe they're financial. Maybe they're personal. Maybe they have to do with health. Maybe they have to do with relations. Who knows what it is? All of us have things in this world that are broken, but your Savior has come. The lie of the world has come into your life. He's not going to abandon you. He's going to, to he sometimes uses those hard, dark things to bring out greater light in us, but he is with you. So maybe you begin with this. As you have anxieties, it's an opportunity to say, this is where I need the light of life in my life. So to bring able to bring those to God and say, Lord, this is what's troubling my spirit. This is where I'm, I'm really anxious. And to keep going back to him. Give help him, give purpose to your pain, but also look to him for deliverance and for mercy. And maybe that's the last thing that you do this week is to choose hope. Some of you have been, and I know this, long-term difficult things, man, they've just been happening and God's not abandoned you yet, but in the midst of it, it still hurts. Sometimes you may look at the world and you're like, I just, it's overwhelming to choose not to give into despair, to focus on Christ, to remind yourself that he's not done yet and he's coming back and to choose that you're going to put your hope in him, not in yourself, not in your circumstances, but your hope in him this week preparing yourself to really celebrate the reality that God is with us. We have Emmanuel. Now, if you're with us this morning and Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, this is where you have to start. God came in this world to save us from our sins, and it's a gift, but you have to choose to accept it. And we're saved, it says, by God's grace, placing our faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That is the way. So you don't have to do anything other because God has done it all for you, but he wants your heart. So if you need to be saved by God's grace, you have to put your faith in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And Scripture says, how do you do that? Because faith is kind of an invisible thing. How do you know you have faith? Well, it says to believe. That's trusting. Even if you have doubts, saying, I'm choosing to believe that Jesus is God. He's the Messiah. And he's also he's my Savior. He's, he's paid for my sins, and he's God. Even with those doubts, you're choosing to trust. It says also you want to repent. That means why live in darkness any longer? As an expression of faith, start trusting that he actually knows how you're supposed to live. So start bringing your life into to his will. You don't have to be perfect, but you just have the attitude of your heart to say, I'm going to start following. Right? That's repentance. And then confession. You get to, by faith, saying, I'm going to identify with Jesus, both with your words, but also with your life. I am now one of God's children, by faith. Now, someday, when Jesus comes back, you get a whole new body, white robes, it's going to be great. But in the meantime, just by faith, say, I'm going to trust him, I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to fellowship with the people that uh, God calls his own. Through baptism, be immersed in water. Be born again, have your sins washed away. Expression of faith, but also be discipled as a part of a loving church. Grow up in the faith, knowing that God is in you and with you. If you need to take those first steps of salvation to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is what you need to do. Um, you need to let me know. If you have a Christian in your life, you can talk to them. I'm sure they'd be happy to help you, but I would certainly love to help you take those steps and to be born again to this wonderful hope, to have the light of Christ, the light of, of the world move into your heart and your life, to recreate you and to give you hope and purpose that make that decision day but hopefully all of us have a commitment to make put it on your connection card take that next step and then drop that in the offering basket this past knowing i'm going to be praying for you this week as you practice that and bring this light not just into your head but also into the world let me pray for you as you make those commitments heavenly father we thank you 
in the midst of our darkness, you came as the light of the world. You have not abandoned us, but you have saved us for your own good will. Father, I pray that you would take the truth of this wonderful uh, joy that we have, that, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, that he came to, to the darkness of this world so that it wouldn't be dark anymore, so he took into the brokenness of this world so it wouldn't have to be broken anymore. He came into the death that we experience it so that we could experience the light of life. Help us to experience that, embrace it, and Father, also to uh, to celebrate it this season. And so Father, with those commitments that we're going to make, help us to, to engage with you more this season. Father, we also pray for any of those who, who maybe need to have that commitment to follow you. Give them the faith and, and the, the courage to be able to be born again into a new life, new light, new hope, Father. And Father, for all of us, draw us closer to you this season. Uh, we pray in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior.